Well, good evening, everyone. I'm excited to open up the Bible with you today. I really am. And to kind of bring this series home, uh, Hunter wrote it. It was his idea to kind of put forward this idea of how we're ambassadors for Christ. And uh, it's been good. And it really sets us up to be a church that not only loves the Lord well, but loves people well and has a heart for the lost, not just for ourselves. So, and you probably know this just by looking at me, you can kind of get the gauge that I really was a kid of the 80s. I was born in 1977, so I kind of grew up through that era of like the Stranger Things era. When you see those kids on Stranger Things, that was in every way me in my childhood. That was me riding my bike and staying out too late with my friends and having trouble getting into trouble. That was basically the world that I lived in and I loved. And one of the things that I never really knew at the time was the crisis that was kind of happening between the United States and Russia with what we call was the Cold War. I had no idea that that was going on. As a kid, I felt completely safe. But you saw these signs all around that we had this perception of danger and that we might potentially be in trouble at any point. One of the ways that you could see that was in pop culture and just in media. I want you to think really quick about who the movie stars and the celebrities were throughout a few of the decades. So like, if you think about the 1950s, the biggest movie stars are like Fred Astaire, right? Singing in the rain. Dancing in the rain. Hunter, singing or dancing in the rain? Uh, I think it's twerking. Yeah, twerking in the rain. He does both. So technically both are right. Cary Grant, uh, Marlon Brando, James Dean. These are your celebrities, right? As you move into the 1960s, it's like uh, John Wayne, uh, Jack Lemmon. It is Sean Connery. It's Elvis Presley. Uh, and when you move in the 1970s, it's Robert Redford, it is Harrison Ford, right? It is Burt Reynolds, it's Al Pacino. But when you hit the 1980s, you hit this kind of era of celebrity where they all kind of stand out and they're different because it's Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. I mean, these are not the greatest actors in the world. And in fact, these actors are all tapping into this sense of fear and dread and the chance that we might actually be at risk at any time. I mean, I think about the movie Red Dawn. Remember Red Dawn, right? Okay, so the idea about Red Dawn is that the Russians invade, but they invade, do you remember, Hunter? Is it Colorado? It's Colorado. They invade Colorado. Like, that is such a ridiculous premise for a movie, but that actually made sense in the 80s because we were that afraid. And so all of these actors are juiced up on steroids, and they're fighting predators, and bad guys, and the Yakuza, and they're destroying everyone, these gigantic muscle dudes fighting everyone, and we loved it and gave them all of our money because it definitely conveyed strength at a time when we really weren't sure if we were strong at all. It portrayed confidence in a moment when we were not confident, and a sense of controlling your destiny, being able to control your destiny, when we really didn't know if we had any really control of our destiny at all. I can remember, uh, my parents seeing Rambo, uh, the second one, Rambo 2. And I can remember my dad coming home and telling me, like, yeah, Rambo killed the dude with explosive-tipped bows and arrows. Uh, and I remember being a kid thinking, like, that's the coolest thing ever. And it goes to show you just how ridiculous it was. Rocket launchers, explosive-tipped weapons, because that was something that gave us this sense of security and that we were going to ultimately defeat the Russians. And this is just kind of how it is. When you feel uncertain... When you feel nervous, you gravitate towards people and things that are going to make you feel strong and capable and safe and secure. Movies are entertainment, and it is escape, but in a sense, it tapped into something that we were deeply feeling at the time. It made us feel like if there were people who were coming against us, that we could resist them. 
that we had some sort of control over our destiny. That somehow if we went through pain that we could make it through that, that we were strong enough to challenge it and to take it on because no one wants to feel weak. Nobody wants to feel that somehow they can be a victim. Everybody wants to feel strong. And so the films reassured us and they tapped into the ethos of the time. Now, when you look at the Bible, we see lots of these portrayals and stories of people who are trying to be strong and how they kind of process that. Like one of the great characters that we see in the New Testament is Peter. Peter is this incredibly strong character and he is dynamic and is at times a little bit of a disaster. But what Peter's trying to do is to follow Jesus with all that he has and to give all of his strength to it, even as he messes up again and again. We have the story of Peter who pulls out his sword when Jesus is about to be arrested and he's chopping off people's ears. He's attacking because in that moment he's going to be strong. We have the storm where Jesus comes out and walks on the water. And Peter, what is his response? It is to get up and want to walk on the water with Jesus because Peter desires to be this strong character. And even when Jesus tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times, Jesus says, I tell you, that will never, ever be me because Peter imagines himself to be strong. He imagines that he is somehow in control of his own life, in control of his own destiny, that he is the sort of person who can stand up and fight and push back. But when we get to the end of Peter's life, what we see is a very different man who no longer sees strength as being the guy with the sword who's going to fight by Jesus' side. Instead, he sees strength as being something from being totally found in Jesus and seeing instead that Jesus is the one who guides his life. And that he can rest in that and that he does not need to fight for control. It allows him to become a person who's actually incredibly gentle. Which is something that we never would have said about Peter when we see him in the Gospels. He has this transformation from being with Jesus. We're in this little devotional series called Ambassadors. And it flows out of 2 Corinthians 5.20 where it says that we, you and I, we are Christ's ambassadors. It's a powerful metaphor because what it's really saying is that you and I, Stand between the world and God. And what we do in this moment with Christ there as that bridge is that we are bringing Christ to people. We are speaking on his behalf. We are bringing that message to them. And in order for us to be true ambassadors, that means that we need to be completely connected to Christ. And we have to speak as he would and to bear the message that he would bear and to live with uh, his presence with us. We are called to be his ambassadors. Today... What I want to show us is that it means to be a true ambassador of Christ means that we need to be as gentle as Jesus because we carry a message that is powerful and yet gentle all at the same time. And that is something that Peter tapped into and he wants to help us experience as well. So we're going to be in the book of 1 Peter chapter uh, 3. So if you have your Bibles, you could turn there. Let me uh, read a little bit of the passage and we'll go into it as we go. This is uh, 1 Peter 3 verse 8. Finally... All of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And so he begins kind of with this broad kind of picture about what it means to follow, Christian, to follow Christ. He's talking about what the very character of a Christian should be. And what he really wants them to be is loving. What he really wants them to be is gentle. And we can see it here with the ways that he's going to talk. He says, first and foremost, be like-minded. When he says be like-minded, 
He is not telling them to think the same things. He is telling them to think the same way. There's a huge difference there. As a Christian, we know this from the book of Romans, we're going to disagree on some things at times. We are going to see some things as being more important than others. We are going to prioritize and value different things in the faith. There's going to be this little bit of nuance in our faith that Scripture actually calls us to live with. He doesn't tell us to think the same thing, but he tells us to think the same way, which means when we come to these places of not knowing really what to do, we go back to the text. Again and again, we go back to the Bible and we say, let's read it together. Let's let it form us together. This is what it means to be like-minded, that every one of us is studying the Bible, reading the Bible privately and wrestling with it together so it can shape our thoughts. He says, secondly, be sympathetic. What it means to be sympathetic is that in those moments when I don't understand your point of view, when I don't understand where you're coming from, it's in that moment that I try to understand. I try to place myself in your shoes. I try to understand what you might be feeling, and I sympathize. I allow my heart to come alongside of your heart so I can feel a little bit about what you feel. So says be compassionate. So in those moments when I'm trying to see things from your point of view, and I can't, when I cannot get to where you are and I find that there's this gap between us in that moment, I'm compassionate towards you. I still find that my heart is going to move towards you and I'm going to allow us to have this difference of opinion and still be connected and not need to tear the relationship of God apart. And he says this finally, be humble. Don't assume that your way is the only way, that yours is the only perspective that's of value to be humble and to want to hear from your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what he's saying. This is what a Christian looks like. If you want to summarize all of these things of being compassionate, sympathetic, humility, and like-minded, what he wants for every Christian is to be gentle, that we'd be defined by gentleness. Now, being gentle matters to Peter because Christ was gentle. In fact, this is a way that Jesus talks about himself. In Matthew 11, 28 to 29, he says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I, Jesus, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. But Jesus says, if you want to really understand who I am, if you want to understand in the depths of me what my heart feels, if you want to really open up my heart and see, let me tell you who I am at the core of my mission and the core of my identity. I am gentle and I'm humble. And he says, those who are weary, you can come to me because I'll be gentle with you. Now, yes, Jesus cleanses the temple where he actually makes a whip. The book of John starts whipping people and driving them out. We find him getting into these huge altercations with the Pharisees where he tells them that they are like whitewashed tombs. We, we find him saying that, that these Pharisees are actually burying people in burden and in loss. So we do see Jesus get angry. So sometimes we think of that and, and we identify more with that than instead of the gentleness. But in those moments when we see Christ getting angry, what he is getting angry about is that it is those who are supposed to be identified with him. Those who are supposed to be following after him, it is they who have lost gentleness. It is they who are acting with a sort of aggression. It is they who are acting uh, abusive in a way. It is him looking at them saying, you are burdening people or you are stealing from people. And so he's in these moments when he is seeing the Pharisees or he's seeing the religious establishment, when they are not being gentle, that causes him in his desire for gentleness to rise up and get angry. His heart, who he is, is gentle and his desire is for every Christian to live with that gentleness in his spirit as ambassadors for him. 
And because Christ was gentle, uh, the Father, too, desires for us to be gentle. He values it. He loves it because it's the very characteristic of Christ. He says this, verse 10, Whoever would love life and whoever would see good days should keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So it says here that God looks with favor upon those who are gentle. It says those who keep their tongues from evil, those who keep their lips from deceitful speech, those who run after peace, those who actually pursue it. He says those people, those who are gentle, says that God's eyes are on them. He watches over them. And he says that his ears are attentive to them, that he listens to them. So to those who act like Christ, to those who are gentle like he is, to those who will not allow aggression or pain, who will not actually hurt other people, he says those people he watches and protects and he listens to. But he says for those who are not gentle, for those who actually practice evil, for those who speak evil and who practice deceit, those who not only uh, are against peace, but those who seek after conflict, those who are constantly picking at the scab in relationships, he says to those people, he says that he will turn his face against them, which I just think is an amazing picture. The idea is of like almost a parent who is driving from the front seat and they hear the kids bickering in the back and that parent who turns around and looks, the dad who kind of pulls over to the side of the road and throws it into park and looks back and says, what did you say? That is the picture that, that God gives of what he will do to those of us who want to be called by his name but don't live with gentleness. He says he will turn his face against them. He will get right in our business and confront us on it because it desperately matters to him. Because Jesus was gentle, the Father desires for us to be gentle, and he will confront us when we're not. I think what's interesting is that there's nothing really inside of us that naturally moves towards gentleness. In fact, we move towards aggression most of the time. I don't think it's any surprise that right after the story of Adam and Eve, as sin is brought into the world and as they're kicked out of Eden, that the very next story we have is of Cain killing Abel. It's of aggression. It is not of gentleness. It is of attack. Because that is just true about what the world is like now. That is what sin is doing to us. It pits us against each other even when we are now in Christ. The book of Romans kind of describes what this is like for uh, the world today. He says this. He's speaking of the world here. This is Romans 1.29. That they, meaning the world, have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and deceit, and malice. They're full of envy, murder, they're gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil, and they disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, and no mercy. That what ends up happening with sin is that it strips away any gentleness. It naturally pits us against one another. We might say that being gentle is a virtue, something we should aspire towards, but none of us do it naturally. In fact, most of the time we find that we are quick to think of ourselves and to find ourselves in conflict before we actually practice gentleness. But when we actually come across somebody who is gentle, it stands out. It truly grabs our attention. We are drawn to these people because it is so not natural in ourselves or in this world. I think about uh, my friend Ed Lasseter, who some of you know. Ed is in his 80s um, and has been overwhelmingly successful in his life. 
and is an incredibly godly man in every way. And yet I have seen Ed interrupted and insulted and shut down and dismissed. And Ed only responds with kindness and a smile and with gentleness. You see it. And when you see it, you're drawn to it. I think of Michael Barker. So the thing you got to know about Michael is that um, being a worship leader means that you are constantly put in the crosshairs of people's preferences. Who thinks that that was too loud or too quiet or there's too much drums or too much electric guitar or the songs are too repetitive or there's too many songs from Bethel or there's not enough hymns. Like it's, it's constant. He will never make everyone happy. And yet, although Michael has to deal with constant feedback and constant critique, I have never seen Michael ever lose his patience with anybody. He's one of the most gentle people I know. To work with him is to like work with this monk, this guy with this deep well of tranquility that just comes from being with the Lord. His gentleness just stands out. I think of Margaret Grieco, who uh, is just such a kind sister in the Lord, a woman of prayer. There's this, this gentleness of spirit that when you're with her, it cannot help but calm you from how it exudes out of it. You see, gentleness stands out because it is so not natural to this world. And that is partly the design that God has here. This is why Peter is pushing on this. This is why they want this for us in our faith. Is because gentleness is meant to be a key part of our witness. It is not natural to this world. We are not naturally gentle. And so when, through the power of Christ, we become gentle, we live with gentleness towards one another, when there is this inner peace that comes from having known God, it is in that moment that it stands out. And he says, it actually becomes a key part of our witness. He even warns them though. He says that if you're going to be gentle, it's going to get noticed. And if it gets noticed, it might not always be that good. He says that in fact, you might be taken advantage of in your gentleness. He says this towards the end. Uh, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Who, who wants to hurt a gentle person? He says, but... But even if you should suffer what is right, you are blessed. So don't fear their threats and don't be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. This is his solution. He says, if you're going to be a gentle person, the end result is at some point, someone's going to look at you and say, I can probably take advantage of them. Because you just might not be a person who's going to fight all the time. Our instincts are to fight and to protect what we want and what we think should happen. But here he says, be gentle. And even if someone comes against you, even if someone takes something from you or speaks against you, your instincts when threatened, when afraid, is to fight back and to grab your bow and explosive tip arrows and rocket launchers and fight back with all that you've got, even as a Christian. And he says, instead, don't. You don't fear him, he says. Instead, revere Christ, he says. Revere Christ as Lord. Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. Honor him because the very heart of Christ is gentle. And so as we live in this world, don't be gentle. He says, really, how can anyone take anything from you that God has given you anyway? He's given you his son. He's given you his spirit. He's given you the kingdom. He's given you all things. These things that a person can take from you, they're not the things that last. We don't have to be afraid of losing them or keeping them somehow because we have all things in God through the Father. That's why he says in Philippians 4, 5, let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be such a defining characteristic that is evident to everyone. It's all that they see. They cannot miss it. And the reason why we can be so gentle is because God is right there with us. Nothing's at risk for him. 
And when your gentleness draws attention, what he wants is to let even our words be gentle as well. That's what he says here. And this is what really pushed me into this passage, that we think of this, this verse has the word gentle in it, and sometimes we think of it's here, but when you look at the whole thing, gentleness just drips through the entire passage. He's, he says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. He says, look, if you're gentle, it's going to stand out. And when it stands out, people are going to ask you, why do you have such hope? And in these moments, be prepared, not only with an answer, but be prepared with gentleness, even in words. And so that to a person who challenges you, be gentle. To a person who threatens you, be gentle. To the person who threatens to take something from you, be gentle. To the person who mocks you or the person who disrespects you, be gentle to everyone. Even those who are looking to attack, even those who mock. We don't have to look far to see exactly what this might look like in the world because it is exactly what Jesus does again and again and again. It is seen. And Jesus quietly sitting with a woman who had been bleeding for most of her life and listening to her entire story when everybody else would pass by her or saw her as someone who might give something to you. He was gentle with her. We see it in his healing of the centurion servant. His very enemy, the, the very Roman army who's going to put him to death, he heals his servant even though he never had to because he's gentle. He has dinner with Zacchaeus, who was a man who was hated by everyone who had stolen from the Jewish people for most of his career, and he has dinner with him because he's gentle. We see even on the cross, Jesus is crying out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. His posture towards us when we were at our worst is that of gentleness and that of compassion and reaching towards us. We see it even with the life of Peter, that after Peter denies Jesus, Jesus comes and restores him and doesn't punish him or threaten him or pile abuse on him again. He is gentle in bringing him home. Friends, a gentle savior cannot be well served by angry ambassadors. If the heart of Jesus is gentleness, and if we are ambassadors, that means that we, we need to carry that gentleness to the world. We need to do that with words. We need to do that as we present the gospel. We need to do that with our very character. Look, it's going to be challenging to be gentle today because it is so easy to be afraid today because things seem to be changing faster than they ever have. The world that maybe you grew up in or the world that you thought we were going to be heading towards, it probably is, is nothing like it used to be. And when you look at the future, it's nothing like you want it to be. And with that, comes fear and a sense of loss and a sense of dread. And out of that, we as Christians can begin to react and lash out. And the very thing that we need to make a difference in this world, the gentleness and the love of Christ can be lost. And we can just be another person screaming, another person pointing, and another person blaming. We live in a time of rage and fear and concern. But what Jesus is looking for is ambassadors who in that time have a ministry due to the gentleness that comes from being safe and secure in him and knowing that truly nothing is at risk. I want to ask that you, this week with the Lord, do an honest assessment of your own heart. 
Are you a gentle person? Like, I think the answer for most of us is going to be no. Gosh, for myself, I am not that gentle at all. Um, I think that we oftentimes honor being brutally honest over being gentle. And so part of it is to do an honest assessment, to search your own heart and say, is there any sort of gentleness in my own spirit? I think we need to ask the Lord to search us and say, God, reveal to me if there's any gentleness in my heart. And once you do this kind of work, see where the roots go. Why aren't you gentle? Why have you allowed yourself to become aggressive? Why are you so eager for a fight? Why are you not seeking peace and pursuing it? Why are you seeking conflict? Where does it come from? What is behind those actions? What is the emotion behind it? Because I'm willing to bet if that we are seeking a fight, that's not Christ. That comes from someplace else. That comes from the enemy or it comes from someplace in us that's not yet fully believing that Jesus has things in control. And then finally, I would say, can you pause and reflect on the things that God has done for you that can't be undone? That you are forgiven and saved. You're secure and you're his child. You have this inheritance that is never going away. That when death comes, you're going to be delivered right into the presence of God. And that ultimately even death is going to be destroyed. And that he has already secured this world as his own. And Satan is already defeated. And everything is going to end up, in the end, bowing its knee before Jesus. And if you know that, then can we rest? Can we be at peace? Can we be gentle? And can we reach out to a world who is a stranger to gentleness and introduce them to Christ? That's what I want for us at Coastline. You guys, thanks for joining us tonight. I hope you have a great night. Uh, I cannot wait to see you Saturday at the workday. I can't wait to see you at our next preview service. God's doing something incredible here amongst us. And I can't wait to see what God does and who we become by living with each other and living with him. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. We'll see you soon.